Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. It's great to be back in the state of Texas. You know, when we taped and broadcast our show last week, I was in Washington, D.C. I was actually on my way to Washington, D.C. to participate and celebrate in the March for Life in our nation's capital. And as a matter of fact, it was the first March for Life after Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Now, there's still pro-life work to do, and a lot of that was discussed during that event. I'll get into a little bit more detail about that today as we progress through our show. A couple of programming notes while you're watching on Facebook, uh, social media, or maybe you're listening. If you're watching on social media, and I'm going to do this right now, share this post, like it, let's get it in some groups so we can increase the traffic because we're going to have a wonderful conversation with uh, an interesting and a timely guest. Okay, I've just posted it on my personal Facebook page. If you're watching this on YouTube, like uh, and subscribe to our channel for Texas Values so you continue to get updates on important work for faith, family, and freedom, and the pro-life issue here in the state of Texas and throughout the country. We've got a great guest today, though, and I believe he's been on before, Michael New. We got to see each other last weekend when I was in D.C., uh, Michael New writes a lot on the pro-life issue and other issues as well. He is a professor at Catholic University of America. He's also an associate scholar uh, at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which does a lot of wonderful work related to the pro-life issue and others. His background includes an undergraduate degree from Dartmouth and also a doctorate in political science from Stanford University. Professor New, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Oh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah, look, and it's good to catch up with you. I know we were going to try to do a segment when we were at the Students for Life event on Saturday over the weekend in Washington, D.C. at that wonderful event. But um, our schedule was a little bit tight. I was trying to get back into Texas so I could go to church with my family uh, the next day. And it's kind of interesting. I'm, it was like Saturday morning and I was kind of figuring out what my schedule was going to be. I knew when the flight was going to leave. And that's when I got the reminder, maybe it was the first notice, the reminder that, uh, oh, by the way, you're reading at mass tomorrow at 9.30. So it's like, all right, I got to make sure I get back in time. But I know there was a lot of important work that was discussed last week. Obviously, a lot of celebration on the pro-life issue. And if people haven't seen some of our highlights of our work from the March for Life, we've got a lot posted on our social media channels. Would love for you to take a look at that and some wrap-up video. And also I was on EWTN. So if you want to see my interview from EWTN at the March for Life, that's there as well. But Michael, one of the things that I heard a lot being from Texas, people were talking to me about Texas Thank you, Texas. Great work y'all are doing. Obviously, still some work to do, but you've written on this a little bit, too. Before we get into some of that details, tell us a little bit about your role at Catholic University and also Charlotte Lozier Institute. Sure. At Catholic University, uh, I teach economics classes uh, for our business students. Uh, I teach microeconomics, macroeconomics. Uh, I teach game theory and a class on the federal budget. And I try to integrate, you know, I'm Catholic. We really do try to integrate the Catholic faith with how we teach economics to our business students. Regarding uh, Lozier, uh, I write about the social science of sanctity of life issues. I write about things like abortion trends, pro-life laws, contraception programs. I also write about polls and public opinion. So I often joke that um, I'm lots of fun at cocktail parties. Yeah, right. Well, look, there are cocktail parties in D.C. We went to I mean, I don't know if I'd consider them cocktail parties. You know, sometimes they get a bad rap. But um, 
When I was in D.C. last weekend, I went to a very nice dinner that was hosted by March for Life, where Jonathan Rumi was the guest speaker who plays portrays Jesus. He's an actor as Jesus on the movie The Chosen. The night before, I was at the Vans for Life dinner and Abby Johnson, Kirk Cameron, uh, uh, Rick Scarborough, a lot of, you know, um, Father Frank Provone, a lot of people that were there that were guest speakers. And so, uh, you know, but look, those are opportunities to see people you haven't seen in a while to connect and find out what some of the latest information is on these issues. But you have written a lot from a social science perspective. And, you know, Professor New, I still have nightmares sometimes about my statistics class from sociology. So that's not my strongest subject, even though I did find a way to pass so I could get my degree. But you're you've got an expertise in that and you've written a lot about that in the state of Texas, particularly about the Texas heartbeat law and other pro-life measures. Uh, Tell us our listeners and viewers a little bit more about why you've done that and what you found. Yes, sir. One thing I've always been interested in is the impact of pro-life laws. I think one thing I've noticed as we've made some gains in the court of public opinion, our opponents often don't argue that we're wrong. They often like to argue that we're ineffective. And we saw that play itself out after the Texas Heartbeat Act took effect. It took effect in September uh, 1st of 2021. And pretty much right away, there was a big reduction in the number of abortions performed in Texas. Uh, the numbers fell by more than 50% between September uh, and October. So that was a cause for great celebration. But of course, the mainstream media had to show up and put their spin on things. And the mainstream media, New York Times, ran a big article, and they argued that abortions really weren't going down. What was happening was that Texas women were either, one, getting abortions in other states where the laws are more permissive, or they were getting chemical abortion pills through the mail. So, you know, it was hard to really verify the data the Times had. So I thought one way we could really track how effective the Texas Heartbeat Act is, is look at birth data. Births are hard to miss. And if more Texas women are giving birth, I think that's a pretty good indication that the Texas Heartbeat Act is having an impact. So I got birth data from the state of Texas starting in February, or I should say March of 2022, seven months after the Heartbeat Act took effect. And sure enough, seven months later, births went up. Uh, between March 2022 and August 2022, there were like 5,000 more births in Texas than there were the previous year. So if more children are being born, that's very powerful evidence that pro-life laws like the Texas Heartbeat Act are having an impact. Well, look, and, you know, it's not a surprise, right? I mean, that's sort of what you would expect. It's always good to find that hard data to back it up. And sometimes people don't think about that, right? One, it, not only a reduction in abortions, but then an increase in uh, births as well, right? I mean, you could see how those would be connected. Um, Obviously, with the changes in the law, it's not as if, I mean, and it's not sort of our expectation that people are going to, you know, reduce their activities that lead to women getting pregnant and things of that nature. But So I but I think it helps people, to your point, uh, to see the data. And and I like how you mentioned that they don't often offer or excuse me, argue that we're wrong. It's just more about whether or not it's effective in the the outcomes. And so and, and I like the data, too, because as much as I work on this issue, I know there are people that don't always pay attention to it. And so they can be skeptical. You know, well, show me the numbers and what do the statistics say? And I'm glad, again, that you've got that information because that's not an area as a law and policy guy. I will draw from that, but I don't sit around and crunch numbers. 
on a lot of these things. Uh, and, but I, I appreciate the value of it. And but also you think about those numbers. Those are lives saved or lives being born, however you want to talk about it. I mean, one is important, but you see how those numbers add up. And I think more people are involved in the conversation on these issues than before. Right. I mean, before Roe versus Wade was overturned, there were probably a lot of people that didn't think about it as much. It didn't matter that much to their life because to them, the law was settled. The court had settled these issues. And so no reason to think about it anymore. Um, And they could sort of be just dismissive of it. Now, I think more people are thinking about it and they're curious. Right. And they're you know, I see some of the, the same arguments that were used 10 or 15 years ago that people are trying to regurgitate that don't work. One of my favorite ones is when people say, well, men should not be able to talk about this issue. And, you know, men shouldn't have an opinion on this issue because it's a woman's issue. And I'm like, okay, so no man should be involved in the decision on this or, you know, the discussion. And I'll say, are you aware of the sex of the Supreme Court justices that decided Roe versus Wade? They were all men. Why was it okay for them and not myself and and you included Professor New, but um, but again, more people involved in the conversation, and many of them are going to look for hard data. But as you know, we're in the middle of our legislative session, and for lawmakers, a lot of times, that's what they're looking for. Show me the data. What does the data show? And one of the reasons why we want to show them that data is because we're working on making sure we protect this fund called the Alternatives to Abortion Fund, which allocated $100 million to pregnancy centers. We want to see that number increase. We know the demands on these pregnancy centers that are nonprofit are going to increase. We know there are going to be more babies being born. Um, And so I think that can be encouraging. Uh, And and so I'm curious too, what is the feedback that you have gotten, whether it's people on the left, right, or whatever they are on this issue, when you put that data out, particularly about Texas? Um, I had that study come out with the Lozer Institute back in November of 2022, and it got very, you know, positive comments. You know, most pro-life people are always very happy to see good hard data that kind of verifies the impact of pro-life laws and pro-life policies. Uh, Our opponents really didn't criticize it that much. In fact, I would go so far as to say they didn't criticize it much at all. I mean, it's really hard to argue against kids being born. You know, the fact that more children are born is a good thing. And, uh, you know, those children's lives are are valuable. And uh, it really did not get much pushback at all from the other side. You know, well, look, and and there's been a lot for, I think, the other side, if you will, to adjust to. And so uh, to them, that data may, they may not be all that excited about it and they may not want to talk about it, but they were probably during that time period, you think about November, focusing a lot on elections. One of the elections that happened was the governor here in the state of Texas. uh, and, And that campaign was very much focused on the life issue, right? Beto O'Rourke was a very pro-abortion candidate. His campaign finance chair was the former head of Planned Parenthood, Cecil Richards. Um, He talked a lot about the abortion issue. Uh, And so they spent a lot of time on that. Didn't work out that well. Uh, Governor Abbott was reelected by double digits and Beto O'Rourke was sent packing for the second time in a statewide election in the state of Texas. And so, but now we're shifting away from that election cycle. We're getting into the legislatures. And so I think you might see a little bit more interest on the data that you produce. I want to talk about the March for Life. You were there, you were around for some of these events. I don't know what the data was yet. I mean, we've seen numbers, people's estimates on how many people were there, 150, 200,000. 
I don't know, but it certainly was a huge crowd. And I saw a lot more young people. I wonder in your experience as a professor, if you're seeing this trend of more and more young people get involved and talk about this issue. Oh, absolutely. I mean, young people are a lot more active, a lot more engaged, a lot more organized. Uh, you know, we were both at the Students for Life Summit uh, on Saturday. Uh, that's a great event. Uh, for someone who's a little bit older, it's great to see so many young people interested in building a culture of life. You know, I feel old saying this, but when I was a student, we didn't have this. Uh, pro-life college students like myself were kind of left our own devices. You know, we didn't have, uh, you know, national groups that were offering us advice and resources. So, yeah, there's a lot more enthusiasm, a lot more interest among young people. You know, I teach here at Catholic University. Uh, we're very blessed. Uh, the university president actually canceled classes for part of the day. So people could attend. So we had a very strong student turn from CUA. And it's just a real blessing to see so many young people interested in building a culture of life. Well, and, and speaking of classes being canceled, um, there was a very uh, large and robust group for my students, uh, excuse me, for my boys, um, Catholic high school. And now, um, now they didn't cancel classes. They're, they are going to give them some more time, and it was an excused absence, but they took two buses all the way from the state of Texas. I got to greet them when I was there at the march, but I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of schools, and obviously, probably a lot of those are private schools, but some people may be taking the day off. We've got the Texas Rally for Life coming up here in Texas. It's on a Saturday here in Texas um, on the 28th, and I know um, my uh, my kids' uh, school is going to be here or there, um, shorter trip. But, you know, looking, I think these are, I mean, this is history, right? When you think about the role of a professor, you think about the role of a university, these are current topics happening. And for Catholic University, right, right around the block. I mean, it's not around the block. I mean, there's a little bit of distance. I have been there, but it's close by, right? I mean, this is when you had a case like Roe versus Wade overturned, this is something to be, be written about for quite a long time. And I think that can help students connect a little bit more. I'm curious too, um, as we look at some of that data from the state of Texas and we see more of it, um, you know, and sometimes misused, what is your thoughts on uh, where the focus could be helpful for lawmakers as they're thinking about not only protecting these pro-life laws, but seeing that to your point, there's gonna be an increase in births and that means families that are going to have those needs moving forward and, and to, to create an environment and opportunities to support those lives that are being born. Yeah, I mean, I think that we still have our work cut out for us, even in states like Texas that have very good policies. You know, we still need to fund alternatives to abortion. You know, we also need to advertise it. You know, women who are pregnant can still sometimes go to other states and obtain abortions elsewhere. But if they know there's good life-affirming resources close to where they live, you know, they may carry that pregnancy to term. That child may live. So we need to both fund these things and promote them. And we also just need to be very vigilant about chemical abortions. You know, it is possible that rules can be broken and that laws can be broken and that women can obtain these dangerous chemical abortion drugs from the male. So those laws need to be enforced. And women just need to know about the dangers of chemical abortions. You know, uh, there's a complication rate for chemical abortions is four times higher that for surgical abortions. So uh, the wow. CDC released new data uh, since 2000. I think there've been uh, 28 deaths due to the chemical abortion pill. And this is what we know. So we still need to do kind of education, service, legislation. Uh, the battle is far from over. Well, and look, we might you might find yourself getting an invitation for us to come to Austin during our state legislative session, whether it's at a committee hearing, whether it's in a private meeting, because again, I think the the work that you do, the expertise of it, uh, is so beneficial. It's so helpful. 
And it's timely. These issues are happening right now. So I'll be back in touch with you on that. That might be coming soon and because I'm enjoying the work that you do in the conversation. But I'm also, and I want to say we appreciate how you've been able to highlight some of the work that we've done, some of the work that's happened in the state of Texas, and hopefully that'll benefit other states. And so um, we appreciate you coming on again to be a guest on our Texas Values Report. We thank you for the work that you're doing. We'll continue to amplify that. And, uh, and we appreciate your continued courage and presence in the pro-life work. And so thank you so much, Michael New, for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Uh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Well, it was great to have Michael on. Like I said, I saw him last week. Um, you know, I got about five, 10 minutes left as, as he exits. I want to tell you a little bit more about my trip. And But I wanted you to, to hear some of that because you know, it's not always as flashy or as interesting. You know, you start talking about numbers and statistics and, you know, the abortion issue is very much a life and death issue. OK, it's an emotional issue. Right. I mean, and so sometimes there can be a lot of focus on that. And that makes sense. Right. We understand that. But there is a lot of data to back up into this that's relevant to this discussion as we move the issue forward, right? We move from not only, okay, now we have a law in Texas that protects babies completely um, from, from conception until birth, but also as we move forward, we look at, okay, so what's that gonna mean now for Texas, right? Now, some people are gonna wanna change those laws. I don't see any chance of that happening. So we'll keep our eye on that, but we can legitimately start focusing on now how we prepare to have a comprehensive culture in the state of Texas to protect life. The alternatives to abortion program is not just for the baby in the womb and the mother during that nine months. It can be extended as far as until the child is born and three years later. Uh, It's quite uh, lengthy, if you will, in in its approach and in its protection and support. I don't think a lot of people realize that, right? Um, We're encouraging other states to take a look at it, not because We think everything we do in Texas is better than other states. It's because we've seen value in it. It's it's had an impact. And we think the time is now to have more of these type of programs throughout the country. And so we're encouraging other states to consider doing that. Contact our office if you want to know more about it. And uh, we did a great segment on this at our policy forum last year. If you go to our YouTube channel and our social media channels, we've got a great video summary and some details from that panel. Included in that panel was the director of the Texas Pregnancy Care Network, which is a private entity that is one of the largest recipients of that funding for alternatives to abortion. And that group turns around and also gives the money to nonprofits that are helping women and babies every day on these issues. And that's diapers, that's car seats, that's uh, leads for jobs. Sometimes that's for um, rent money and different things to make sure that uh, the women and their families and their babies can be protected and supported during that time. And you're going to see a lot more work on that during the legislative session. We'll be supportive of that as well. Um, The budget debate and discussion is going to be coming up very soon, and you'll see updates from us. But I had a wonderful trip, okay? If you didn't see some of the time there, we've put together a couple of highlight videos, compilations, you know, some B-roll outtakes of some, you know, I don't know, funny, interesting, or embarrassing moments. Okay, I didn't do karaoke while I was in D.C., or, or if I did, it's not on video that I know of. But I had a great time, and, and a lot of people from Texas were there. Um, we were we had a booth at a couple of different events. We marched in the march, and I was able to do a an event, excuse me, an interview on EWTN, which is 
uh, Eternal World Television Network. It is mainly a Catholic entity, but it's an international uh, news channel that I don't know how many millions of people they reach. But I didn't take this sign, but I did hold up another sign that we're going to be producing for our Texas March for Life. You can kind of see this one. Of course, the classic, come and take it. This is our Texas Heartbeat Law sign. But I held up another sign of the interview that said Texas is pro-life to remind people of that, but also to be an encouragement and to talk a little bit about what the future looks like for the pro-life movement, particularly for the state of Texas and where we're going. And there's reason to be encouraged. There's reason to be joyful about this. This is good that we're moving in this direction. That doesn't mean that our work is over on the life issue, because in many ways, the people that are very supportive of abortion are uh, more riled up and upset than they ever have been because, you know, they sort of didn't see Roe versus Wade being overturned coming. They had some idea that it might happen, but I still think many of them were in shock. And so now they're trying to regroup and figure out what their strategy is going to be next. Nonetheless, though, it has opened the conversation up more. You're going to hear a lot about this in Saturday. If you come march with us at the Texas Rally for Life, we're going to have a booth there. I'm going to be on stage with other lawmakers. Great family-friendly event. It's on Saturday, so you don't have to miss school. If you can get there on that day, bring your group. There'll be a lot of groups from all over the country. There are buses coming from 15 or 20 different cities um, across the state of Texas. And so a great opportunity to celebrate, too, the first Texas rally for life since the March, excuse me, uh, Roe versus Wade decision was overturned by the Dobbs v. Jackson case out of the state of Mississippi. But a lot of a great opportunity to learn more and then to get connected with our state capital and figure out what, what can I do to help on that issue during this legislative session? We're still hiring for a policy position. We want to add someone to our team. If you want to do some volunteer work, we may have another opportunity for an internship. We do have one intern right now. We'd love to maybe have another. And But um, also, you can hear information about the event we're having on March 13th. The Texas Faith and Family Day is the largest event at the state capitol that focuses on religious freedom, marriage and family, and of course, the pro-life issue. Uh, that's on March 13th. It's only $5 to attend the event. That's just to cover your lunch, okay? You got to eat that day. It's $5. We'll have a box lunch from you for you from Jason's Deli or some uh, local vendor that'll make it easy. But March 13th, get signed up. Um, we're going to have a great time, but there's a lot of conversation around the life issue right now. Let's always remember, too, how personal of an issue this is, right? Uh, to try to extend and demonstrate and communicate that sensitivity, right? I mean, some people that have had abortions in their lives, maybe recently, maybe it was a long time ago, and they're still coming to terms with it, or they like to be involved in the issue, but it can still be sensitive to them. Um, and so all those different things that, you know, we may not be aware of, but are opportunities to, and things to be thinking about when we communicate on this issue. And for many young people, right, that are learning a lot more about this issue or people uh, from different generations uh, to, to do, you know, in Texas, we're, we're fortunate that the law is already on our side. I think it's settled. Doesn't mean the other side won't try to change it. But and, and we don't have to we shouldn't stop advocating for that. But it allows for an environment to go, look, the law has changed. Can now we talk about why? And, and what's really going on in a woman's womb, how the baby's developing? Can we have a more um, current and honest discussion about that and why it matters? And for people to be able to see we care about people, we love people, we believe in the life of this child. And so, uh, but we know that can be difficult uh, for people uh, sometimes to, to figure out what they're going to do. But for them to know, look, you have the support here in the state of Texas 
for that baby, for yourself and your life. And you're not alone. Um, and so we still got some great information. If you want to connect with the Pregnancy Resource Center, TexasHeartbeatLaw.com. We've already had a tremendous amount of activity at the state legislature. If you want to be involved in that, you want to stay connected with what we're doing, sign up for our emails, get connected with us on social media because things are going to start moving pretty quick. And again, as I always say, if you like the work we do, make a tax-deductible donation today at txvalues.org. We've got about a $2 million collective budget. That's how we're able to continue to do the work we do for faith, family, and freedom in Texas. Okay, I lost my chat here. Where am I at? Three minutes. I'm probably almost out of time, actually, um, waiting for that last reminder. But we're going to have the Texas Rally for Life this Saturday, the Faith uh, excuse me, the Texas Faith and Family Day is on March 13th. And if you want to come to the Capitol any other day or you want to volunteer, let us know. We're the only faith and family organization that has someone at the Capitol every single day of the legislative session. And part of that includes an opportunity for us to help you while you're there. Our office is right across the street from the state Capitol at 1005 Congress. And so listen, I had a great time in DC, but I love coming back to Texas. I saw a lot of friends, got to meet some new friends and really celebrate a historic moment. You know, I was there last year with my oldest son. Um, I'm looking forward to maybe going next year with both of my boys. If you haven't done it before, that is a wonderful trip and uh, you won't regret it. And so we took some new people with us too, as a matter of fact. But listen, things are going to start moving quickly on the work we do. Save women's sports, gender modification, pro-life, religious liberty. You're going to want to stay updated. We're going to have some trainings coming up soon. Texas uh, Legislative Advocacy 101 and 102, like we did last legislative session. So you can be equipped on you together with us. You can help us protect faith family and freedom in the state of Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.